Join us in a world where you're listening to Ballistic Radio. Sit back as we discuss hard lessons from the best and brightest the personal defense and competition shooting industry has to offer. Let us help you help yourself, no matter where you are on your personal path. Ballistic Radio is brought to you by Centurion Arms. Hard-use rifles and accessories at easy day prices. Visit them online at centurionarms.com. Now here's your host, John Johnson. Welcome to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Centurion Arms, hard-use rifles and accessories at easy day prices. Visit them online at centurionarms.com. I'm your host, John Johnston. Remember, you can always listen to past shows at ballisticradio.com. Get the latest behind-the-scenes info, arguments, photos, videos, class announcements, conversations, I don't know, whatever else I vomit onto the Internet at facebook.com slash ballistic radio hey joe good morning good morning so doing this again we are doing this again kind of like this weird groundhog's day where once i get into the studio it's like i feel like i've been here before and i will be here again so sunny and sure bumpers today huh Mm, i mean you could i I don't care are we going to get sued for that i mean uh i don't know what you're talking about oh okay good Hey, guess what? What's that? This segment also brought to you by Centurion Arms. Even if you're just a cook, a lowly, lowly cook, are you calling tactical nukes from your couch every night with ease? You need to know that your life-saving equipment is going to work, and Centurion Arms knows it too. Veteran-owned and operated, Centurion Arms is dedicated to producing firearms, parts, and accessories with an outstanding level of quality, functionality, and precision at prices you can afford. Whether you just need a new rail or barrel or something else to finish off your latest build, or maybe you want to take all the guesswork out and buy a complete rifle, Centurion Arms has got what you need and knows that when you need it, you need it to work. Visit CenturionArms.com today to check out all their awesome products. Centurion Arms, hard-use rifles and accessories at easy day prices. And I gotta, I gotta say, Joe, like just the, so this is the fourth episode that we've done since the whole long break. The first two were, like, really rough, like, oh, John can't read anymore or speak. And then, like, I just did that, and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. There it is. So, Riding a bike. Riding a bike, something like that. I, man, I haven't ridden a bike in forever. I wonder if I'd still know how. <laughs> hey, joining us today, it's my favorite, favorite chief deputy anywhere, and probably the only one that I actually personally know, Lee Weems. Hey, Lee, how's it going? Hey, good morning, John. I'm doing well. Well, I kind of feel like instead of talking about gun stuff or whatever, I want to do the 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 old school traditional AM morning traffic talk show. I think we should just do that, <laughs> right? I, I'm like feel, well, I'm feeling that for whatever reason. Well, traffic concerns is the number one complaint that comes into law enforcement agencies. That's uh, you could have twelve murders in your in your area. Uh, in, in in a few weeks' time, and you go to a citizens' meeting, and you're going to hear nothing about speeders and reckless drivers and people that don't stop at the stop sign. Huh? Um, it, it's, yeah, it, it's universal. And then the number one complaint people have after that is how the officers enforce traffic. <laughs> it's like, okay, this is a problem, and we don't like how you try and fix the problem. It's kind of like oh, one yeah. of those yeah. damned if you do, damned if you don't moments, isn't it? Which it is. It is. Which is it, like it's, it's go it's, ahead. We, we demand that you do. We demand that you do what we're going to complain that you do about how mm. you do it. Mm. Well, I appreciate what you're doing, Lee. And you okay. know, for anyone listening that has not heard uh, any of Lee's uh, previous appearances on, on the show, I have to say that the agency that you work for is is probably my idea of what. I wish every law enforcement agency in the country was like as far as management and culture and uh, and and training goes. So uh, kudos to you well, and your, your organization, sir. Well, thank you, and I will say that we're not alone in that. No, I, I'm, I'm not, uh, not saying that you are. I'm just saying that, yeah. you know, I want to give you all the credit because, one, you're a friend of mine, and, uh, two, I, I know all you guys. So, well, not all you well, guys. Thank you. But, yeah. Um, so for this, you know, it's, it's been. Go ahead. I just want to say it's, it's been very interesting 
and it, we've seen it before when there's been national national unrest and you know the media driving uh, their narrative and in this last you know month long period month and a half long period that's been going on since the the uh, the idiocy in Minnesota. Um, and when when you say idiocy we, in we Minnesota, went, you're you're speaking to how that was handled, correct? Yeah, and you know, there, there's just while I don't, you know, there, there's the autopsy report is floating around the internet, and it it was contrary to the narrative, but still, the dude sat there with his knee on the guy for eight minutes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there are better ways to handle that. Um, but that everything that has ensued and then following what happened in Atlanta where, you know, one week the DA is charging aggravated assault for the use of a taser, which is a forcible felony. And under Georgia law, you may use deadly force to prevent a forcible felony. Mm-hmm. And the next week he charges an officer with murder for shooting a guy who is trying to use a taser on him. Right. So one week it's a forcible felony, and the next week it's not. Um, you know, that, that's just, give us a set of rules to play by. Yeah. Yeah. Give us a set of rules and then stick to that set of rules. But, you know, all the, the stuff that's been going on, you know, you have all this movement of, we're going to defund, we're going to do all this other stuff. John, we went over two weeks without having to buy lunch because <laughs> people huh. were showing up. We had to start coordinating who was going to bring lunch to the sheriff's office because we were having multiple people a day contact us wanting to feed us. Right. Yesterday, a group showed up at the sheriff's office. They had, to, without our knowledge, had done sponsorships where people could contribute to buy a gift for a deputy, and they did it for every member of the sheriff's office, not just the deputies. They showed up with a gift and a gift card. More people sponsored gifts for deputies and personnel than we have personnel. Well, and and that sort of community support. <clears throat> Is, is really incredible, and it, it's, you know, I can't imagine how, um, there's a couple parts of this that I can't imagine. Uh, I, I can't imagine, frankly, the feelings on either side of it that, you know, folks are experiencing, because that's not my reality. Like, I'm, I'm not a law enforcement officer, um, so I haven't had to deal with any of the things that are attendant with that. Um, I'm also not part of a, a group that has, has been either feels or has been, um, essentially oppressed and like, and I, and I don't want to, I don't want to get into that. Right. Um, you know, but I, I want to acknowledge, like, I want to acknowledge it and I'm not, I'm not saying it, not saying it hasn't happened. Um, you know, and I, I worked in an area previously where we didn't have that support. Right, and it did make a difference. You know, sometimes you were dreading going in because you knew what was going to happen that day. Yeah, um, and I can remember one instance where someone actually did something nice and showed up with a bunch of food for for the officers, and we were scared to eat it. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> and and you know, here uh, where I am now, it's just it's just not that way. Well, and I wonder um, too, <laughs> and it's. And, and, you know, and we're going to get into some other stuff on this show, but since we're talking right. about this, I'm, I ain't scared. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I wonder, too, it's almost a chicken and the egg sort of situation where, you know, if if you have, well, we'll use a hypothetical agency. I'm not going to, like, make, right. we'll use a hypothetical agency in a hypothetical community. Um, if If you have a hypothetical agency, that has the support of the community, the way they interact with that community is probably um, leaps and bounds better than if you have a hypothetical agency that does not have the support of the community um, and essentially is dreading going to work each day. And, and, you know, I don't know, I don't know how to fix that. Um, you know, but again, like acknowledging that perhaps that is part of the larger issue at whole. Uh, I I don't know. It, it's you know, frankly, it's messed up, and I don't know how to fix it. You know, when when we're looking at the, the national level. 
I don't know how you get it back once it's lost in an area. Yeah. I do know how you can cultivate it in an area in which, you know, it hasn't been lost. Uh, for us, we stress for our personnel as many positive non-enforcement contacts as you can have. Yeah. So stop and help the disabled murderers. Change the tire for them. I got a thank you note from someone the other day who saw one of our deputies changing the tire for an elderly gentleman. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 95 degrees, and he's out there in his full uniform changing his tire for this elderly gentleman, so he won't have to sit out in the heat and do it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that person, that's what that person associates with our deputies now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that is their vision of the Oconee Sheriff's Office, is their deputies get out and help elderly people. Right. Uh, during the worst of the pandemic, when, you know, it was all, you know, everybody was shut in. We assigned a deputy to pick up online orders for elderly people at pharmacies and grocery stores. Hmm. And that deputy's job was to go pick up their order and deliver it to them. Okay, we serve the people that we work for. Well, Now, I will say I'm in a smaller community in which we have the manpower to do stuff like that because we're not overrun with, you know, other calls all the time. Our biggest issue is wrecks more so than it is crime. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got 5% of our population that causes all the problems as far as criminal activity and we deal with them and it gives us the time to do with the other, other stuff. Yeah. Well, and you know, we, we, we could go on all day about this. Uh, we've actually got to go to break <laughs> and then we'll go on about, uh, uh, some of the, the things that we said we were going to talk about, but, um, <laughs> you know, it happens every time. Well, you know, it, it's funny because, I I invite people onto the show, um, and I try and get somebody that's not been on the show before every time I record or every other time. Like, I I don't want it to be like a a revolving door of the same people. But every every time I invite somebody new on, they're like, what are we going to talk about? You know, should we plan this out? Should we outline it? I'm like, oh, honey, don't worry. We'll we'll figure something out. Um, and, And it was the same thing with you and I. I invited you on. You were kind enough to say yes. And and we both were kind of like, yeah, we'll figure something out. Because, like, if we can't talk about this at this point, um, we should probably both do something else, you know. So, but um, anyway, uh, we will be right back with Lee Weems. And you are listening to Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio brought to you by Centurion Arms. Hard-use rifles and accessories at easy day prices. Visit them online at centurionarms.com. This segment brought to you by Wilson Combat. Wilson Combat, makers of the finest custom 1911s and scatterguns since 1977. A legacy of quality, innovation, and service. Learn more about their firearms and accessories, as well as the EDC X9 series of firearms, which all offer discriminating shooters 1911 match-grade accuracy, superior ergonomics and concealability with modern service pistol capacity, as well as reliability, at www.wilsoncombat.com. So... We're talking with Lee Weems, um, and, and, you know, kind of what we were discussing is the concept that, um, you know, the agency is supposed to serve the community uh, and and how how that can affect things and how that, that seems to work or not work. And, 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 you know, there's, again, we could spend a whole show on this. Um but an interesting byproduct of everything that's going on between, you know, the two factors, maybe even the three factors, you've got an election year, you've got uh, a pandemic, and you've got, you know, civil unrest, uh, has driven quite a few people to uh, look to their own personal protection or maybe acknowledge that, Hey, this is on me, and, and we've got a ton of folks that are looking to get a gun for the first time, or are looking to get into self-defense for the first time, and it's not quite working out the way they they thought it would, as far as options go. Yeah, um, you know, go to a gun store right now and see if you can find the items that you would traditionally recommend to someone if they called and said, hey, you know, I'm interested in buying a gun. What do you recommend? You know, well, let's meet down at the gun shop. Well, I hope you pick something out. 
Like, go, it's not there. Mm-hmm. It's not there. Um, the closest thing I remember seeing to this was the 2008 election. Yeah. And then the stuff around Sandy Hook. Um, you know, where you could not find anything typically defense-related firearms except for NFA items, which you couldn't walk out the store with. Right. And I had a rare convergence of clients. I had a family who lives about uh, 10 miles from an area in which there were lots of unrest, and they have a 16-year-old daughter, and she's at home by herself some, and they were concerned. And it's like, look, we want our daughter to have something for when she's at home. And, you know, we already have a plan worked out where, you know, if something starts happening in the area, she's supposed to get in her car and go to grandpa's. And, okay, but what happens if it breaks out quickly and she can't get there? Or she's just at home and someone comes to the door. Okay, she can't handle an AR-15. She's not big enough to use it. Right. You know, the AR-15, even a lightweight version, uh, is too bulky and big for her to handle. Well, I also had another client who is in her 50s who lives in a rural area, uh, and she takes care of her elderly parents. And she all of a sudden it dawned on her, you know, dad who's in his 80s, who's been my protector all my life, can no longer do that. I've got to step up. What What can I use? And the answer for both of them was a 1022 pattern rifle. Right. For one reason, because it was available. I went to the local gun shop, and there were several on the rack. I said, well, these we can walk out of the store with today. Um, now, I went with uh, Thompson Center R52s, or excuse me, R22s, mm-hmm. which is a, like I said, 1022 pattern rifle. It's based on the 1022. Uh, but some of the differences in it was it's got it comes from the factory with an enlarged bolt handle. Uh, it doesn't have that uh, feature where you have to hold the bolt release while you pull the bolt release, you know, to let it go. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you pull on the bolt release and let it go, it's going to close the bolt. Um, it's got a threaded barrel. Of course, you know, that excites me and you for suppressors, but for these clients it doesn't. Uh, but it's got a Picatinny rail built into the receiver, and it had sights you can actually see on it from the factory. Now they're both getting red dots. But, uh, you know, while a twenty two rifle is not, you know, what I would consider ideal for a self-defense uh, platform or, or firearm, but I don't think anybody's going to come through the door willingly and stand there and continue with their evilness with a hell of 22 CCI mini mags, or excuse me, 25 CCI mini mags coming at them. Well, and that brings to mind, so anyone that's listened to the show for a while or has followed me online for a while knows that I'm actually a, a, a proponent of the 22 caliber house gun as a, um, a good answer for people that don't want to go learn how to gunfight, for lack of a better, right. lack right. of a better turn of phrase, I guess. But um, in discussing that with, you know, our mutual friend Chuck Haggard, uh, who who worked an area that that did see a lot of murders, um, you know, and he worked that area for how long was he on? Twenty five, thirty years? Uh, twenty twenty seven or twenty eight years? Okay, he told me he had never once worked a shooting uh, with a twenty two long rifle uh, fired out of a rifle uh, that wasn't a murder. Um, or a homicide, I should say, you know, justified or otherwise. So, you know, and and he worked more than one. So a lot of the folks who talk about 22 and, you know, and then we're also mutual friends with Claude Werner, who has a lot of thoughts on 22 as well. But a lot of the folks who talk about 22 caliber guns for personal protection you know, we'll say things like terminal effectiveness and reliability and things like that. And I know that you've been looking into it. What, what have you kind of like found as answers to those talking points? Well, I have worked a shooting with a twenty two rifle that did not result in a homicide, but the person that was shot was running away. Oh, well. And, yeah, and did not get hit in a vital area. Right. But guess what? I've worked with shootings with traditional, <laughs> you know, self-defense items, weapons. Mm-hmm. That's what are fatalities either. Um, you know, the big key is going to be able to make the hits that you need to make. Um, so, so let's talk about that indoors. Okay, a twenty-two rifle is going to have less flash. 
it's going to have less recoil. And, you know, while the rifles that uh, I got these clients uh, have Picatinny rails on them, there is a plate available for the Ruger manufacturers, uh, rifles that you can direct mount a red dot to the, you know, to the top of the receiver without a rail. Mm-hmm. And so we're not going to have as much mechanical offset either. Right. We're going to have a low mount. And if you go with a micro style red dot, yes, we're not going to run into the issues of, um, excuse me, I said mechanical offset. I think it's a good option. Um, now, obviously, hits to the arms and legs aren't going to aren't going to stop someone. But guess what? Hits to the arms and legs with a nine millimeter ain't going to stop them either. It ain't going to stop them with a five five six. Um, I, you know, you get two or three solid center mass hits, you know, into the heart and punch one through an eye socket, it's going to stop the fight just as good as anything else is. Well, and that's something that it seems to me, you know, inside of our community especially, and when I say our community, um, the the upper 1% of individuals that are interested in training are really, like, studying this and are essentially violence nerds. Um, you know, uh, and I don't mean that as a perjurative. It's just, you know, it is what it is. Um, when the when the topic of terminal effect effectiveness of rounds comes up, that's where people really get uh, passionate about certain things. And, you know, I, I've been the same way. And I'm certainly not suggesting that if you can um, – if you can select something – that is more effective than something else, or at least appears to be more effective than something else. And it's not a drain on your resources, your, 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 you know, either time funds or whatever to get proficient with it. Yeah, by all means. But I think the difference between, you know, for instance, a nine millimeter full metal jacket and a nine millimeter gold dot is not as uh, large of a gap as people would think. And it all comes down to sort of this concept where we say, well, you can't count on psychological stops. And then I think in the back of people's mind, there's still sort of, I don't know, they're still kind of planning on one. And, and and I feel like that was a really clumsy question, and I apologize for that. But you kind of see what I'm saying? Yeah, and I think a bigger issue is that Everyone can, when they have these scenarios run through their head, they always win. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, a class that we'll talk about later. Uh, I was teaching it once in a Metro Atlanta gun store. And I had a guy who just could not accept the fact that he wasn't going to win every violent confrontation. Right. And when I was advising that in this particular situation, you know, um, the, the question was, what do we do if there's a person in our house? I said, we get to a secure area you know, bunker up and yell for them to get out of your house. And they'll, maybe they'll run out. Yeah. But if they come down the hallway to get you, well, then you're prepared. But ideally, we want them to run out. But he might take my stuff. Well, yeah, he might. <laughs> okay. But I can't let him do that. Okay. Are you willing to die over whatever he walks out of, you know, runs out of the house with? But I can't let him. Okay. Or, you understand that if you go down that hallway and confront that guy, you might lose. Uh, 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 uh. You know, do they just they, people just can't wrap it around their head that if they have the gun, they're going to win, and that's just not the case. Uh, if you get into a violent uh, exchange of violence, um, it might not go your way. And I think that's what people need to accept before they even get into um, any discussions of equipment, et cetera. Um, now, yeah, to your question, yeah, I think people, they, they wrap themselves around what the testing data shows, et cetera. And, well, this is the best performing in ballistic gelatin 9mm, so I'm more guaranteed to win this fight if I have this. Right. And it it kind of it turns into sort of this lucky rabbit's foot or you know right. um, plus three to winning violent encounters, uh, which is right. you know as you and I both know not how it works. Now hold on one second because we've got to go to break sure. and then we'll we'll pick mm-hmm. right back up. Uh, right now we're talking with Lee Weems. You're listening to Ballistic Radio. 
Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Centurion Arms, hard-use rifles and accessories at easy-day prices. Visit them online at centurionarms.com. This segment brought to you by BigTexOutdoors.com. BigTexOutdoors.com is the best place for you to find all your everyday carry needs at the absolute best prices. Maybe you need all the lumens from ModLite at the lowest price? No problem. Spend too much time alone in your room and now you need a optic on the top of your gun? Well, BigTexOutdoors.com has those, and they don't judge. Lock accessories, yes, fast, cheap shipping, 100% hassle-free returns, all that and more. And best of all, BigTexOutdoors.com has Ike. He's a good man and thorough. I like Ike, everybody likes Ike, and you'll like Ike too. Visit BigTexOutdoors.com today and find out what happens when every customer is a friend, not just an order. So... I gotta say, Lee, my favorite part about the the, the Big Tex Outdoors ad is the fact that mm-hmm. I can put a Big Lebowski reference right in with an Eisenhower <laughs> campaign slogan, like almost practically in the same sentence, and it kind of makes me love my job a little bit. Not gonna lie. So, well, we have reached the peak of humanity. Yeah, I know. Yay! This is it. This is it right here. You might not like it, but this is what peak. Prefer- anyway, um, <laughs> so. We were sort of talking about kind of the – essentially what we were saying is people focus on gear or technology or things like that is sort of a, you know, a, a totem to help them feel better about, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to win this thing, which is essentially what it boils down to, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah everybody loves to do these things on, on – Instagram and Facebook, their pocket dump. Mm-hmm. I, I, I've never done one, but I, I see see them pop up, and people will lay out everything they carry on a daily basis. And if they don't have some item in there that the hive mind thinks they should have, you know, look, read the comments. You're not carrying, you know, an XJ300 blaster. Well, then, you know, it's how come you only have one magazine instead of two? You know, you're going to die because of that. Right. And, all right, how many times have you had to use any of what you're using? Right. Now, it's, as, as John Hearn would say, it's the stakes, not the odds. Hmm. Yeah, be prepared. But uh, I, I do think that the community and the whole tends to get wrapped around on you have to have certain gear, certain, you know, certain implements, et cetera, or the latest ammo and – you know, one of the reasons I don't have not in the past traditionally taught carbine classes is I can't keep up with the developments in AR technology. Mm-hmm. Because if you come out to a class with a rail that is two generations older than what everybody else in the class is running, you know, oh my gosh, he just doesn't know what he's doing. Look at that. He's still got Picatinny on his rifle instead of MLOC. Well... I will say yeah, we can't, but we can't believe anything this guy says. Yeah, no, I I will say that you know I I have I have done um, I've done some carbine stuff. It, it's my my overall experience is people are pretty pretty cool about everything um, if you can shoot, which is the uh, which is the deciding factor in many many disagreements yeah. I have found, but. As far as, I guess, for, you know, so so we sort of touched on what are we suggesting for people that are getting into this and, you know, what are some options for them and, and sort of discussing this concept of, hey, product availability does have some impact on our suggestions, or at least it should. We shouldn't be making suggestions to people inside of a vacuum. As far as the new folks that are coming into this and they end up with their, whatever they end up with, what are, you know, even more so than learning how to run the gun well and effectively, what's probably something that has more bearing on, the outcome of a situation maybe after the fact? Understanding the legalities of the use of force, I think, is the biggest thing people need to know. Um, because They need to know that 
in general, uh, but especially before they go decide, you know, decide they're going to be armed. Right. And they're going to go forth in the world armed, or even have arms in their house. There's just so much, so much misinformation about that. You know, because we're gun guys, and this is typically a shooting show, we tend to get wrapped up around the firearm. But deadly force is deadly force. Yeah. If you're whacking somebody in the head with a cast iron skillet, it's deadly force. <laughs> you know? So it doesn't have to be a gun. Right. If you're, I don't know, running over people that are waving signs. Okay, that's deadly force. Yep. You probably want to understand what the legalities are. Well, um, and let me ask you this, and we sort of touched on it at the beginning of the show. Um, it appears that the rules are made up and the points don't matter sometimes when we look at letter of the law versus how the law is being se- selectively enforced or politically motivated. Um in some places, I mean, is, is that just like a, a false perception that I have based off of, you know, whatever I happen to be consuming media-wise? Or or have you noticed that as well? Um, in some areas, I think that may be true. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say it right now in Atlanta, it's revolving door. Okay. It, it's, 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 or excuse me, a moving target. It's whatever the district attorney wants to do. Um, and I got a, I got a hint to him on one. He's got a guy sitting in jail on a murder, or actually convicted for murder right now, who the victim stated the convicted person accidentally shot them. Huh. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. I still haven't figured out how that and the motive was supposedly financial, but the state's expert witness proved that the suspect was better off with the victim alive than dead. But he got a conviction. Um, uh, that goes into that what we said earlier. I understand you may lose, right? Because that's part of the conference. That's part of the whole exchange of violence as well. Is you may win the fight, but you may wind up in prison for the rest of your life, right? And yeah, you know, this gentleman that, that was convicted was in his seventies, I think, and so he's never seen outside again, unless he gets some sort of compassionate release at the end of life. But, uh, yeah, he, he's gone forever. Right. And, you know, that, that's the realities that people have to look at. Um, if you can get away, get away. You know, if, if, it's a, if there's a possibility to throw the car in reverse back up and go down a side street and avoid the whole confrontation, well, then do it. You know, avoiding the confrontation is always the better answer than having the confrontation. And that sort of gets into the concept of, so here, the, this this might take a second for me to set this question up, so I, I apologize. Sure. Um, it sort of gets into the concept of could, should, must, as far as could I shoot right. this person legally? Yeah, maybe. Um, you know, should I shoot this person, like, legally, morally, uh, tactically sound decision-making? Okay. And then must I? There is no other option. Can can you sort of, I guess, sort of expand on that concept, and then maybe discuss how solid your understanding of the law needs to be to even be able to determine the levels that you're at? Well, yeah, I have a class coming up on the 25th of July. I call it standing your ground because everybody equates standing your ground with self defense. It's going to be online. So you can attend from anywhere. It'll be on the 25th from 12 noon till 4 p.m., and that's Eastern time. Um, I use different verbs for those questions. <laughs> uh, mine are can, which refers to ability, may, which refers to legality, and must, which refers to necessity. Um, I, I don't deal with the should question or the moral question because that's going to be a different answer for every person. Right. Um, Same overall and, concept, though. Right, right. You know, and it's a tough call if you were a third party to an incident. You see it going down in the parking lot. Do you interject yourself? <laughs> no. And that's a different question. Yeah, that's a different answer for every person. Um, 
you know, William April talks about high responders and low responders, and you can say you're not going to interject yourself, and then as you say it to yourself as you're interjecting yourself. Yeah. Uh, the first time I, the first time I ran into a river to help perform a rescue, I said I'll never do this again, and I remembered that the second time I ran into a river, saying I'd never do this again. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, and I've so, I, I've had I've had moments like that um, where. This is really dumb. I'm going to do it anyway. Um, I, yeah. I actually almost got hit by a car at the start of all the pandemic silliness doing right. something exactly like that. Um, hold hold your thought because we've got we to go to break. Uh, but right now we're talking with Lee Weems. You're listening to Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Centurion Arms. Hard-use rifles and accessories at easy day prices. Visit them online at centurionarms.com. So we were we were sort of bunny trailing down the road of uh, high responders versus low responders, but you were you were talking about the concept of um, well you you were you were sort of can man must yeah that yeah. Um, so continue along that line, please. You know, Ken's going to refer to your ability and that's where we get through the, the actual skills training with firearms. Um, may refers to the legality and you need to understand what the laws are regarding the use of force. And, you know, the class focuses on the deadly force question, um, more so than the non-deadly force. But, uh, you know, those laws change if you cross the state line. Right. You know, what the law is here in Georgia, which I'm very familiar with, is not the law if I were to go to Ohio. And I need to understand that when I cross a line that I have to operate by, you know, home rules. Because wherever you are are the rules that you have to play by. The local constabulary is not going to be – uh, impressed at all. Well, in Georgia, the law says I can do this. Well, you're not in Georgia right now, Skippy. Right. Yeah. You've got to play by, by the laws of wherever you're going. And then must is, you know, if I don't use force at this time, the options are grave and extreme. You know, if I don't stop that person from dragging my granddaughter into that car, I will never see her alive again. Right. That's a must. If... I don't use deadly force at this time. Some other man's going to raise my children. Yep. Yeah, that's that's a must situation, and that's different from a may situation. And there's also times in which the law, you know, black letter, looking at it on paper, says that you can do things or that you may do things under the law. Um, but the law also talks about reasonableness. And, you know, in Georgia, kidnapping is a forcible felony. Well, kidnapping is just making a person move from one place to another place against their will. And so I've seen this actually prosecuted in which a guy and a girl were having an argument. The girl tried to walk off. The guy grabbed her and started leading her down the sidewalk against her will. An officer saw that and intervened. And the prosecutor actually charged that as kidnapping. Now, that was, you know, according to the black letter of the law, was a forcible felony. However, I don't think you as a third party would have been reasonable in running up and capping the dude. Well, and that's sort of, so like our verbs differ. And, you know, when you say, when you say can, you're talking about like the actual ability to inflict harm. And and when I, you know, in my language, what I'm saying is, can legally you could shoot right. somebody um right. you know should it's it's probably a good idea for you to shoot someone and and if if you know when i think of that every single cop i know every single one i i have yet to meet one that i am not friends with and have talked to have had multiple people that they were legally justified in shooting that they didn't and in fact most of them oh, have yeah. a story where they go yeah i really should have but i didn't um, yeah. and, and that's sort of when I say should, what I'm talking about. And then must is when, like, if you don't, you're going to die right now is, is sort yeah. of, sort of my, my reasoning there. 
you know, which is I've got I've got three of those situations in which I was legally justified in using deadly force and I didn't, and ultimately I'm glad I didn't. Right. Um, I've got one in that I didn't was legally justified in using deadly force, and I didn't, and I worry that guy's going to hurt somebody. Yeah. yeah. In the future. And that's that's the only one of those situations where I've been in that I didn't use daily force. And I'm kind of thinking, yeah, you know, this was this guy's going to hurt somebody down the road, and if you'd have ended him, maybe that wouldn't situation have. that wouldn't it wouldn't have happened. Right. Um, and that's that's a fear. Uh, I I kind of whenever I see a, a report of a you know something locally, I kind of look at it to see if it was him. And, uh, you know, he lives in a neighboring county to us, but uh, that doesn't mean he can't, you know, he's still not going to be a threat to somebody. And he was trying to get a duffel bag open and get to a knife. Right. And ultimately, I physically subdued him. And, uh, you know, then we, we go after I've got him in cuffs and we open up his bag and there are multiple knives and box cutters and stuff in there. And he was trying to get to one of those to kill me with it. And, you know, I had a mental line drawn in the sand, and I managed to resolve the situation before he crossed that line. And, well, well I got distracted on that. No, it, it, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm playing it over in my head right now. Well, you know, and, I'm reliving that scenario in my head. So go ahead. Well, it's, it's one of those things, too, and this, again, goes back to the earlier question, um, or, or not earlier question, but sort of the earlier conversation where cops generally for either for good reasons or just, you know, for not good reasons, it doesn't really matter what the reason is, but they are very, very, very much trying not to shoot somebody or kill somebody. Um, Either because of their, you know, their own moral compass or my favorite ever, was and I'm not going to say who it was, uh, but you know one of those stories where oh, I should have shoot I should have shot this guy, but I was supposed to go on vacation the next day, and I knew that if uh, if I did that I wouldn't be able to go on vacation, you know, um, and and that's uh, <laughs> it, it doesn't really matter though either way like right. cops are trying not to shoot people. Oh yeah. Yeah, uh, nobody wants to be Darren Wilson. Yeah, yeah, and and from yeah. everything I've seen, that guy absolutely had to shoot that dude, and and look how that right. turned out. Right. Uh, I've seen several officers in the area in which I lived and worked that were stone cold justified in the use of deadly force that saw their lives ruined and changed, even though they were justified. They came out of it, yeah, you know, okay, on the legal side. But there were employment consequences. There were life consequences. Um, you know, if you're involved in a shooting, whether or not it's legally stone cold justified, it, you just may get um, – there are social consequences. Yeah. And There are social consequences. And, I, you know, one of the guys wound up cooking at an IHOP because huh. it was the only job he could find. And I think that yeah, – well, again, I, I, I was going to say, I think that a lot of people, I, I don't know. Um, I think a lot of people have sort of this idea that they will be put into this situation that is extremely clear-cut, not ambiguous, and in fact, you know, they will do good for society and remove this evil from, you know, the greater public at large, and everyone will thank you for it. And I'm not saying those situations don't happen. I mean, there have been moments where it was extremely clear-cut and somebody acted, and, you know, there was, you know, there was not the witch hunt hunt in the court of public opinion, but, like, those those instances are extremely rare. Right. Um, well, the media is going to—they're going to initially go to the controversial, most controversial aspect of use force that they can. 
Um, just this week, uh, I saw a news story in which the person discussed the George Zimmerman case, and they referred to it as standing your, you know, stand your ground example. And folks, that was not ever raised by his defense team. Right. They did not claim justification under Florida standing your ground law. And but the but the perception of that is that's every every use of force is a standing your ground case, and it's not. Um, you know, we go into this. The, you look at the shooting in Atlanta here a few weeks ago, and with the officer involved. You know, the GBI has not even finished its investigation, and the DA is already charging murder. And there are. You know, some people in the public are looking at it and saying, "Well, why were they? Why didn't they just give him a ride home?" <laughs> you know, the guy's drunk in a car, passed out. They're getting calls. They go, "At what point does the burden get put on the guy who fought? He created the violent confrontation. The cops didn't create the violent confrontation." I think that a lot of I, – I think that – and we're at the end of the show, so, I mean, yeah. uh, this could be a second show. But, um, man, I, I had um, – I just think most people don't understand violence. And, and I know that sounds, like, really simplistic, but I had a friend of mine send me a video of an officer attempting to arrest somebody, uh, essentially, and, and deploys a taser – it doesn't work. They go to the ground. He's trying to tase the dude over and over again. And it's it's not a – it's interesting to me because it's right on that line. I mean, it's active resistance, but barely. Right. Like, there are, no, there are no blows being, like, exchanged. Right. Um, the officer, you know, bless his heart, uh, I have an opinion about what he did. I don't know that I've earned the, I don't know that I've earned the opinion enough to state it publicly, but it did not. It's not how I would have liked to have seen it handled as as an outside observer, right? right? Second officer shows right. up on scene about three minutes into this, uh, just thing that's going really badly and is about to go really bad, and yeah. grabs the guy, uh, introduces him to the earth. And it's over, right? Yeah. But anyway, my friend, my my friend was like, "Does that seem excessive to you?" And I'm like, "Uh, no. In fact, the initial response seemed really, really not as violent as I would have liked to have seen to keep it from going bad. And I just don't think that people understand that that yeah. sometimes it just doesn't look nice, and that's the nature right. of it. Um, but but enough force delivered early enough in a in a, in a non-compliant situation. You know, you deliver enough force early enough, it's very well can derail the chances of there being an escalation to deadly force. Right, right. And I, know, just, I, I just, I don't know. I, I guess people don't get that, but. Yeah, if, yeah, I I wasn't in that I wasn't in that Wendy's parking lot with those two Atlanta cops. Right. It looked to me like they, and I hate to say this and judge them, I haven't talked to them. It looked to me like they were trying not to hurt the guy and get him into cuss. Yep. Whereas if one of them had dominated it, got him into cuss, we wouldn't be, they wouldn't be sitting in jail for murder right now. And that's a hundred percent hindsight. I'm not there in the parking lot uh, dealing with the guy situation, but I've seen it over and over and over again. Where the cops just—I don't know whether they're, they're scared of the the perception or the lack of skill or whatever—just don't win the encounter quickly enough. Yeah. And yeah. you know, I've got a rookie cop who dealt with a guy. It was a simple, stupid misdemeanor crime. I think it was a shoplifting or something at Walmart. The suspect makes it into his vehicle. Uh, the officer deputy's trying to talk to him, and the guy starts trying to roll up the window, and he puts the car car in reverse as he does that well the deputy just snatched the window right out of the car and then snatched the guy out of the car and onto the ground right and put him in cuffs now we don't have a chase through the parking lot you know he didn't get out onto the highway we don't have this high speed chase 
We don't have people run over in the parking lot, etc. Because what did he do? He took enough action early enough in that encounter. And you know, it's a non-story. Well, and that and that's the thing too is that you don't ever know. I mean, you can't be like, "Hey, I did this thing, so all these things didn't happen," because you don't know. And right. you know, right. if we had a crystal ball where we could look at anything that was like, "Hey." Here are the possible futures from this event, and here's what causes what. I mean, I, I don't know what that would show, but it would be interesting. Right. Um, right. We, are, we are out of time, sir, and I, I appreciate you waking up uh, early on a Saturday to talk to us. If people want to um, train with you or take a class, which I guess is the same thing. I said the same thing twice. I apologize. <laughs> If they want to be in your presence or read more of your stuff, where they where can they do that at? Um, the webpage for the training business is firstpersonsafety.com, and then the Facebook page is you know, facebook.com slash firstpersonsafety. All of my classes are listed up there. And typically if I write something that is gun-specific, it's going to be, or personal safety-specific, it's going to be on uh, the firstpersonsafety.com webpage. Uh, my stuff on law enforcement and, and you know, police citizen contacts and legal stuff is typically going to be on thatweensguy.com. Perfect. Sir, I appreciate you again for, one, being my friend, uh, and two, coming on the show this morning. It really means a lot to me. So. Well, thank you for having me on the show, and thank you for being my friend. Hey, no worries. Uh, all right, guys, make sure you check out our website, BallisticRadio.com, like our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash Radio. And, hey, keep leaving those five-star reviews on iTunes if you think we've earned it. It uh, really means a lot to us, helps us out. Thanks for listening, everyone. As always, be safe and see you next week.